Father, we come to you today with the heart of thanksgiving, knowing that your plan of salvation is complete even before creation, though we are privileged to participate through your word and by your spirit, what it means to be chosen, what it means to be predestined for the glory of God. So help us today, Lord, help me in my word. May it bring forth life and understanding, a greater understanding and your salvation as well as your plan for each of us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Christ chosen for me. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Him here talking about Jesus Christ. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So you see there are two things in here. God has chosen him, meaning Christ. And then somehow he switched and he started talking about us. So him and us in that same passage, meaning God has chosen Christ. And then there is the work in that choosing of God that relates to us. So Christ is whom God have chosen, and we in Christ chosen are those that will carry on this work of the gospel. Let's talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says that God has predestined so that Christ would be the elected one and so that he would be the first fruit of all those that would be elected through Christ. So God's desire for us is that those who are chosen in Christ would be Number one, forgiven and redeemed. Number two, holy and without blame. Number three, loving one another. And number four, gathered together in Christ. Those are the four things that God has ordained that are elected, predestined to be in Christ. The question is why? Why would God do this? So that he would glorify himself. The reason why God chooses Christ and chooses us in Christ is so that he would glorify himself. The purpose of God and how Does he do this? He does this by revealing himself in Jesus. Disciples that were with Christ wanted to know who the Father is. The scripture telling Israelites to know God, to see God, to get a glimpse of God, the divine and the the glory of God. And so when Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father and be sufficient, that's all they have been waiting and wanting to see. And Jesus' response to Philip was, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you think about what Jesus meant by that, God has chosen a vessel in whom he will reveal his glory through, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the only way for man to see God. There is no other way to see God, but through Christ we can see God because there is this division or this gap between God and man. Man cannot reach God because we are unholy and God is holy, and there has to be a bridge, and that bridge to see God is Jesus Christ the holy and blameless man that is part of God's divine ordination before the creation of the world. Let's talk about why Christ was chosen by God. Christ was chosen so that God's glory would be revealed. So for the glory of God. John 17, 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world began. Within this prayer that Jesus prayed to God the Father, he's giving us a few doctrine. He said, O Father, glory thou me with thine own self. So Jesus is saying that God glorify me with your own glory, meaning the essence of God is shown on Jesus Christ as the person. If we differentiate between Christ and Jesus, Christ is the Messiah, 
and Jesus is the man. We can see this is Jesus as the man praying to God the Father and saying, God, cause your glory to be shown through me, your own essence of glory. Let me try to explain God's essence of glory versus God's shining glory. If you look at the light and you are standing in the light, you have light shine on you, but light is not in you. That is to have the light of God, but not have the essence of that light. To have the essence of the light, that light has to be in you and you are glowing with that light. And that is what Jesus Christ is saying, is having God's essence of this light, this glory that is in him, meaning now he is the author. He is the source of this glory through Christ is the source of glory because Christ as the man at this point in his prayer saying that God glorify yourself in me, meaning the essence of the glory of God is now showing through Christ himself. It is different than Christ being in the shining glory of God as opposed to having that glory emanating from Christ himself. So that's what this prayer means. Glorify you in me with your own glory meaning with God's glory himself, with the essence of God's glory, which I had with thee. Now, there is a relationship. It's not just any man who would say, God, give me your glory. Like, for example, Moses asking God, show me your glory. That's a very different type of experience with God's glory than what the Lord Jesus Christ is asking the Father to do. And he is saying that because I have been with you in the beginning, so here's the distinction between Jesus Christ as the man and Jesus Christ as God, the second person in the Trinity. And he's now referring to that second person in the Trinity that had the same essence as God the Father. God the Son is saying, because when I was with you, meaning the second person in the Trinity, they shared this glory. Now Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, he had no sin. This is an empty vessel. And now he's asking the Father to share his glory in this earthen vessel, the man Jesus, to have the same glory, the same essence of that glory in the body of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? So that we men can come face to face with God's glory. Think about Moses. When Moses came down from the mountain, the glory of God was shown on his face and people could not stand God's glory. So they had to veil Moses' face with a veil. He is bringing God's glory in the form that we can inherit, that we can uh, obtain Jesus, then we can have God's glory. Moses come into the glory of God and have exposure. You can say, think about it in this way. Moses get into contact with God's glory, and it's like the atomic bomb that get exploded. The radiation of that glory of God is so powerful that no one can come close to Moses. Jesus Christ bring that essence of the glory within himself. Now we can inherit that through being born through Jesus Christ, not being uh, a part of the, the people of God, chosen people of God, but chosen in part of being born again in Jesus Christ. That glory, that essence of that glory is now intact. It's still intact in Jesus Christ. He's taking his position as second person in Trinity with God, having that essence now being born, incarnate in man, asking to have that same essence in him, the glory of God in him. And for what purpose is to show this glory or to give knowledge of this glory. That's how to show this, not that we visually can see it, but that we can understand this glory, the knowledge of God. First John chapter 11, for God is life. Without the knowledge of God, we are dead. 
The knowledge of God brings life because knowing God is knowing life. And without the knowledge of God, there is no life. He has chosen before the world began to reveal himself. So the purpose of God is so that mankind knows God. And we cannot know God unless he revealed himself to us. Secondly, God, in choosing Christ to show his glory, he's choosing who he will be as man. This is the important part of the doctrine of the Trinity, is that God choosing or electing who he will be in the form of an incarnate God. In choosing Jesus, God has chosen himself in the form that we can see, or historically we can see. The Father's glory, no man can see God. That is John 1.18, no one can see God and live. So how can we know God without seeing God? When we're referring to seeing God, we're not seeing with our naked eyes. Seeing it with our intellect, with our understanding. Another way to look at this is, this is not mine, this is Platonian thought experiment. Think of a perfect circle. Can you draw a perfect circle? So which is real? Is the perfect circle real? Or ability to manufacture or draw a perfect circle would make it real? There is a, a concept which is beyond a material um, representation. So for whatever medium that you use to draw, if you could, and it's impossible to draw a perfect circle, that medium would fade and be destroyed or can be destroyed over time. And therefore, it can be material, but it can't be real. There has to be something real behind everything that is materially representational of something that's real. The knowledge of God is the same thing. To, to have that knowledge, the essence of who God is, is real. Our ability to, say, formulate in terms of words or in terms of explanation of who God is, that's just a material or that's just a, a way for us to communicate who God is. The essence of God's reality is truth behind what we can represent who God is in terms of our language, in terms of our ability to maybe draw or maybe formulate some kind of, of experiment to show who God is. And of course, uh, some people have tried to do this uh, in the past by deduction, by induction, all kinds of different proofs. Thomas Aquinas is one of the famous person who's trying to prove God's existence. The Father's glory, we cannot see the true essence of who God is because we are not God and we are not allowed to because we are sinful men. So what God has to do is God has to reveal his son. And in revealing his son, he has to choose his son. He has to choose a person in whom he will reveal this glory to. And God is choosing his son, meaning he's choosing himself to reveal this glory to. And God revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. When we behold Jesus Christ, and the reason we can is because he's incarnate, he's man, just like us. And therefore, you have this conversation between Jesus Christ and Philip. And Jesus Christ said, you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because God has chosen Jesus Christ to be God incarnate. And we see the Father through Jesus Christ. How does he do this? He uses the Holy Spirit. He uses the Holy Spirit to make this revelation become manifest, even though Christ is no longer here. The Holy Spirit communicate the essence of God or the knowledge of God to us. And the communication of God's glory to us is by the Holy Spirit. That's in 1 Peter 1.11. So the Trinitarian act is God's self-revelation of himself to us. God the Father, the glory, God the Son, the means in which the revelation is revealed, and then God the Holy Spirit is the person who actually communicates this revelation to each one of us. The Trinitarian act of God's self-revelation grants the grace that man needs to apprehend 
the glory of God. For the purpose that we would apprehend, we would get the glory of God through this Trinitarian act. Secondly, he has chosen Christ to give life. This is the reason why he has chosen his son, Jesus Christ, is to give life. In John 10.10, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The reason why Jesus Christ was chosen so that life can be given to us. This is the will of God. God's given us Jesus Christ. Man possesses no natural ability to recognize this divine glory, and without it, there's no life. Jesus Christ's birth became the central event when God revealed himself to man. The birth of Jesus Christ became this revelatory event. The knowledge of God came when Jesus Christ was born. The singular event that caused the revelation of who God is happened when Jesus Christ was born. Why this is important? It's important because we can't have this event. We can only rely on it happened. We can only rely on it through our faith that this happened and that we hold to it by faith. Jesus was chosen before creation, 1 Peter 1.20, to save mankind before we were created. This whole doctrine of what Calvin called double predestination. God predestined that he would save the world and he preordained that Adam would sin. So he preordained both of those events. Was it because Adam sinned and therefore God preordained Christ to be incarnate to save mankind? Or did God ordain Christ to save mankind then ordain Adam to sin? believe that God ordained Christ to save the world and then Adam to sin. If life was the impetus, God ordained life instead of trying to fix what is broken. He came to give life by way of giving himself. Jesus Christ, to give life, he has to die. Life resurrected and victory over death Make sure that there isn't any enemy that can triumph over life itself. So the only way to make sure that life wins over death is that death happens and then life comes after that. Give victory over death, meaning death can no longer affect life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was elected by God to be both a curse and a blessing. There's this dichotomy that happens. John 12, 24, Jesus says the seed must die, otherwise it abides alone. So the seed must, there's no other way except going through death and then into resurrection. That's the only sure way to have victory over death. He was rejected of God, but became the sacrifice. The reason why that happened is so that we would be accepted in the beloved because we have been rejected. If Christ has not gone through that path, then there is, we cannot because we are in the, if you can say we are in the path of rejection, he has to come down into that path to take us around, to give us a victory over that. He was humiliated by God to revoke the pride and exalted to revoke indolence. His humiliation, he was humiliated by God for the reason that we, our pride, would be put to nothing. Because even Christ himself is humiliated. And then Christ's exaltation gives us no excuse to be lazy. God has chosen to reveal his glory through Jesus Christ by his death and resurrection for our salvation into eternal life. And then the third reason, so that he can be the good news. Jesus Christ can be the good news. That's why Jesus Christ is chosen. We don't want our good news to be based on some man. 
or some character born of man. We have been given God himself to be the gospel. Christ was chosen to be the blessing for sinners. The gospel is the message that God wants man to know. He does not want us to die. This is the message of the gospel. Otherwise, why would he send Jesus Christ? Ezekiel 18.23 Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? Did Jesus Christ die for everyone? I would say, why not? I want to be part of a group of a chosen few, and that's, that feels good, but I'm not God. And we have to rely on what the scripture tells us. This particular scripture says, God does not want anyone to die. And why not? Why can't we hope that that is the case? We are saved because Jesus Christ was chosen by God. You can hear John Owen, well, if that's the case, then did Christ fail? Because we do see that men are not in heaven. It's not faith, it's hope. We hope that all are saved. Scripture foretells the blessing through Christ in John 5, 39. Search the scripture, for in them ye think that ye have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. The whole of the Old Testament in the time that John wrote this passage, he's saying that the Bible as they know it at that time, which is the 24, is about Jesus Christ, talks about Jesus Christ, and that Jesus Christ is God's chosen blessing. The whole scripture foretells what God would do, and the object of that work is Jesus Christ himself being the good news. Christ was rejected to be received. There is no reception unless there is rejection. In John 5.40, we read, Ye will not come to me that ye may have life. So here's the, the issue. Why are some reject Jesus Christ? And here's my answer. The, the rejection of Jesus Christ caused him to carry out the plan of salvation. When the crowd gathered together at the trial of Jesus and they say, let's crucify Barabbas and then let's free Jesus, then we won't have our gospel. But because of the crowd's rejection of Jesus, salvation, the plan of God carried out. Jesus Christ died so that he could be resurrected, so that all that are in him would be resurrected as well. If God is powerful, then doesn't it follow that grace is irresistible? Meaning, if God has chosen to reject some, wouldn't he extend his grace to those rejected so that they would receive him and that they could not resist his grace? So grace, I believe, grace is irresistible. If God says that he will give grace, it cannot be rejected. You will receive it. But grace cannot be extended to where grace is unneeded. Grace has to be extended to those who have been rejected. Rejection is needed for grace to be abound. Uh, Acts 4.14 This is the stone which was set at naught of you builder is become the head of the corner. So Christ's rejection became our salvation. God ordained that Christ would be rejected so that he can become the cornerstone of salvation for all those who believe. We are received of God because Christ was rejected. So rejection is mandatory, is required for salvation. Israel was rejected for the salvation of us, the Gentiles. Romans eleven fifteen. Christ's rejection by God became salvation to all men. The same way that Israel was rejected so that the gospel would come to us. There has to be rejection for there to be acceptance. That is the reason why Christ was chosen, rejected, to be the good news so that we can be chosen. Why are we chosen? 2 Timothy 1, 9-10 
who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but now made manifest by the appearing of the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is the reason why you are chosen. Let me break down this scripture. First of all, by grace alone we are chosen. The means in which God chosen us is by grace, not by works. God calls us not according to our works. We have no standing before God. There's nothing good or acceptable in man before God. Not because you're a good person, not because you're born in the right place at the right time that God has chosen you, but his election is a mystery we don't know. The election of God is by grace alone, not by merit. Even so, Romans 11, 5, then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So God does that. We don't know. We don't know why or who for whatever reason that God decided to save some and did not others. It is by God's power and by God's decree. It's God's pure unbounded grace that he, is, he has elected us unto his holy calling because it is grace we cannot boast in saying that it is my ability or because of something that I've done or my own strength. The apostle contrasts grace with works by saying it is work, then grace is unnecessary. Because there is grace, then work is unnecessary. He has chosen us to be a blessing. Our election is to fulfill the purpose of God. It is true that we're happy, we're ecstatic that God has chosen us, but when the celebration is done, when we finish pointing the finger and say, I'm glad that God has chosen us, we have work to do. God has chosen us for work and not because He has chosen us. We can point to the person that God didn't choose and say, hey, hey, God didn't choose you, God chose me. That's not God's purpose. According to God's loving purpose, He has chosen us so that we can be a blessing to other people. It's in stark contrast with this turn to individuality. God's purpose has always been the church, has always been the body of Jesus Christ, in whom it is about Jesus Christ. It's about the members of the body. We are members of each other. And he has chosen some for the blessings of others, not he's chosen some so that those that he has chosen can point the finger at those that God did not choose and say, well, too bad for you. That's not God's purpose. So Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord God is not slack concerning his promise that some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Here again, we see that God's will is that all men would come to repentance. And how can he do this? Or how would he carry out this decree? Through those that he elect, those that he has chosen to carry out this decree of salvation. We have been called to be the light to the world. And there is a purpose for God's choosing, not so that we can glory within ourselves, but that we carry this glory and show it to the world to lead men out of darkness into God's glorious light. This is our calling. The true term of calling is that there's a work associating to that calling, not that we have been called so we'd be happy in our calling and do nothing. This is God's purpose, to bless, to use us as a blessing. God's desire is that men would come to repentance, not perish, and he will use those that he elects, chosen, to carry out this purpose, this divine purpose. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his wicked ways and live. This is the will of God. We are God's instrument to the end that he would bring, or he should bring, men to repentance and towards salvation. We have been chosen 
to bless the rejected. So God has chosen some and rejects some. The term that's being used here so that to differentiate the chosen and the unchosen or the not chosen. Those who are not chosen are damned to die. Let's clarify that. Roman 9.13 As it is written, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. The contrast between Jacob and Esau, did they do something that made God select them? The Apostle Paul says, no. God chosen them even before they were born. And if you remember, Jacob and Esau, they were twins. Not one was better before they were born. They haven't done anything. But God has chosen one and reject the other so that the chosen one can be a blessing to the one that was rejected. It's a, it's a radical different concept than what we've been taught. How could God hate Esau? God chosen of Jacob necessitated the rejection or denial of Esau. Thus, the word hate can also mean reprobate. When you call someone a reprobate, it means that that person is rejected. John 12, 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Again, you hear the word hate being used again in the context of the individual, of me. How can you hate yourself? To understand this word hate, substitute the word hate with the word reject or the word denial. If you deny yourself, then this verse makes sense. Our self-denial becomes a path to salvation. So rejection is the path to salvation. Christ was rejected, and through his rejection, we become saved. So the rejection of others are there so that the chosen can bring the rejected to salvation, and that's why we were chosen. Christ was rejected of God on the cross, and he became our deliverance. In the same way, we are reprobate because of our sin. God, in our place, rejected Christ for us so that he could be our redemption through resurrection. There has to be rejection, and then there is this reconciliation of the reprobate. Okay, We have been chosen to be a blessing. God's choice of Jacob was not so much a rejection of Esau, but it was through Jacob Esau might be blessed. Jacob's deception robbed Esau of his inheritance and blessing. For what reason? So that he can be a blessing to Esau. Let's take a look in Genesis 33, 11. Jacob has been running away from Esau, fearing for his life. He worked for his uncle Laban for 20 years, and now he had left his uncle with cattle and sheep and goats and manservants and maidservants and wives and kids and a lot of stuff. Basically, he's a rich man. He's a very, very wealthy man after he left uh, Laban. And remember, Jacob was chosen and Esau was rejected because when we see Jacob coming back, right, coming back from Laban back into his homeland with all of this blessing and he meets Esau. Jacob met Esau and this is what he said, take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee. Because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough and he urged him and he took it. So God has chosen Jacob to be a blessing to Esau. It's not that God rejected Esau, but here is the channel in which God poured his blessing through. If we think about it in this context, God has chosen us to be a blessing to people to the nations. We have become a blessing, not because we've been selected so that we can point a finger at those who have been rejected of God and said, I'm sorry, you were not selected of God. 
but Esau was blessed through Jacob's election. This is the pattern of God's story of redemption. God chosen Jesus Christ so that we can be saved. God chosen us so that the world can be blessed through us. Christ was chosen to be a blessing for those who behold him. So we have a purpose, and God has chosen us for a purpose. And what is that purpose? God has chosen us in Christ before the world began. Not because man sinned and God reacted, doctrine of double predestination, but it was preordained by God that the salvation event would unfold in the human history the way that he had ordained. He has chosen us for a purpose to reveal the gospel. Christ's work became our work. Jesus says, greater work shall you do. We have been chosen in Christ so that the salvation work that Jesus Christ did became our work. There are three things that he has ordained us to do. Through Christ, death is abolished. He brought life and immortality into light. And he became the gospel. So those three things, he has chosen us for that purpose. Abolishing death, brought immortality and light, and that he brought the good news through us. The purpose of God is to bring this gospel central to our existence. The destiny of the elected is to reveal the mystery of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, in Ephesians 6.19, the gospel is a mystery. The good news is our mission, that we are tasked with the good news, with the gospel. It is what we have been entrusted with to bless the nations with. The gospel message is that Jesus Christ has abolished death, brought life and immortality into view. The purpose of God is that we would glorify or we would be glorified in Jesus Christ. Lastly, he has chosen us for the purpose of being holy and being in love. God has chosen us before the foundation of the world for the purpose of becoming a blessing by bringing the good news to all. The message of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we should be as he is holy, blameless, and in love. God has chosen Jesus Christ for the purpose to save us. God's chosen Israel so that the Gentiles can be saved. And now God has chosen some so that the world can be saved through Jesus Christ, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is our mission? What is our purpose? Our purpose is to share this gospel. Our purpose is to let the world know that they are not being rejected for the sake that God has hated them, but they have been rejected so that they can be redeemed by God. We have all sinned and rejected of God, but the salvation of God is to redeem through those who have been chosen by God. Okay, so Romans 10, 15, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You have been chosen, or each one of us has been chosen to be a blessing we have that blessing in us, and that is the gospel. And it, it is our responsibility, and it is God's charge to us that we would preach the gospel. Father, we thank you for being chosen of you. Lord, each one of us who are here today have been selected, called, chosen of God, sanctified, being made conformable in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ so that the gospel would be shown through us. Not that what we say, but our whole life is reflective of this gospel, of this Christ that is in us. We have been once rejected of God, and now we are accepted in the Beloved. And those who are around us, and those that do not have the good news, or do not have the faith to believe in the good news, that we are that light that show, show them the path 
of salvation and through that, Lord, that they would be chosen, accepted in the beloved as well as we have. So I pray that your, your strength would be made perfect in our weakness, that the feet of those that dare to walk the path of your gospel might bring salvation and bring love and bring deliverance to those who are in darkness. So use us, Lord. Call us. You have chosen us to be a blessing. God calls us to truly blessing to those who are around us and bring to them the light of life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.